Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students. Hey, the whole purpose of this Rise Series students is to call you to something greater. Something greater that maybe you don't even necessarily see as a possibility in your own life, but God sees it in your life clear as day. We're calling you to do something more than what you're presently doing. And so this is a challenge that spans across this entire room. It doesn't matter if you're the adult that's been following Jesus for 35 years. It doesn't matter if this is your first Wednesday night ever being here and you're sitting here going, my friend invited me here, said it was cool, dude brought me to church. What the heck? Like if that's you sitting here, I am so glad that you were here. But this, this series applies across the board that God is calling us to rise to something different, something more, something more above what the rest of society, the rest of culture, the rest of uh, your schools, uh, your friend groups, to rise above something different. And so I'm going to challenge you guys to do something tonight because I believe that tonight's message holds something deeply important for you. And it's not because it's anything that I have prepared, and I will be quite frank with you, it's quite the opposite. It has very little to do with what I've prepared, and it has everything to do with how God looks at you as an individual. And so I want to start this challenge tonight, and I'm going to challenge you with this next week as well, uh, is I want you guys to take your cell phones out, and I am going to challenge you to power them down. All right? So get your cell phones out. I know a bunch of you guys have been on YouTube, a bunch of you guys are like on Instagram right now, so it'll be real easy because you already have it out. Uh, I want you to get your phone out, not silence it, I want you to power it down. I'm just, I'm asking for like 30 minutes here, all right? And if your parents get mad at you because they can't reach you for 30 minutes, have them call me and I'll, I'll field those questions, all right? So give them your time, look at your neighbor, if your neighbor hasn't powered their phone down yet, Go, hey, I know you got your phone. Get it out. Power it down. All right. I gave you guys enough time to do that. All right. Focus back in. Hey, this means eyes and ears should be here. And this is going to have nothing, little if nothing to do with me wanting you to hear me, I'm wanting you to take a chance on hearing the voice of God tonight. That God may be saying something to you through his word or through an obedient servant, through a song, through a prayer, something that you need to hear as an individual, okay? And so that's my purpose behind doing that. You guys, we are a society that worships things. We worship things. We are... as. As creation, we are designed to worship. It's part of what sets us apart from the rest of creation. You guys don't find dogs and cats worshiping you. Okay, those of you that have dogs and they're so excited when you come home, you think they worship you? No, they don't worship you. They're just dancing and wiggling because they're like, dude, if you don't let me outside, I'm about to bust my drawers on your rug. Like, you got to get me outside. And any of you that own cats... You know for a fact that they don't worship you because they hate you, right? I'm a cat guy. I know this from firsthand experience. I come home, 
Dog owners come home and dogs are like, hey, what's up, where you been? I come home and I'm like, come here, kitty, and I'll get this close and he'll run over here. And then I'll get this close and he'll run over here. Cats just hate you. So we know the animal kingdom does not understand how to worship. You alone are the only part of creation that is designed to worship. It is, it is in your DNA, so to speak. You're created to worship. And that's part of why I want you to power your phones down. Some of you, I know there's some of you in this room that refused to do that because you thought it was stupid. But the truth is, you can't stand five minutes without looking at your Insta feed. You're constantly back there Snapchatting with someone, sending, sending messages, and you cannot stop because you are obsessed with it. This past week, I've challenged myself going, I am not looking at my phone for the first hour of the day. I'm telling you, I struggle with this. I guarantee none of you guys could do that. Get up and go an hour without looking at your notifications? You kidding me right now? What did I miss overnight? Oh my gosh, so much had to have happened between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. I got to get caught up on it. You're a slave to it. That's just one part, you guys. We become slaves. We worship. We worship our activities, don't we? How many hours a week have you spent invested into your extracurricular activities? I'm not here to bash things. I just want to be honest with you guys. How many hours have you spent honing an athletic skill, a musical skill? How many hours making wretched notes on your saxophone in your house so you could sound good? Right? What are we devoted to? What gets all of our, our heart, all of our mind, all of our body, all of our soul? Some of you, honestly, it's schoolwork. You love school. You worship it. You can't stand imperfection. Some of you guys, it's relationships. My goodness, at the age of 13, 14, 15 years old, you can't be apart from that person for one second because it creates anxiety. You're like, oh my gosh, what? I don't know what I'll do without them. I don't know what I'll do. We're created to worship. Some of you guys worship yourselves. You are so arrogant that every part of your life from the moment that you wake up until the moment that you lie your head on your pillow, you spend trying to advance your life in your way, uh, getting more, more money, more prestige, more popularity for you. And that's your whole focus. We've been created to worship. Students, this is why I want your attention tonight. There is only one thing in all of creation that you can worship that will not ever, ever, ever fail you. Because listen, someday you athletes, the final whistle will blow and you will never play sports again. If no one's ever told you that, they're failing you. It's the truth. You guys are like, well, I'm investing in education. You know what? Someday, your mind will fail you. And you will be done mentally. Visit any nursing home and you'll bear witness to that, that people's minds fail them. You guys that invest in relationships, what happens when they lie to you, disown you, cheat on you, tell stories about you behind your back? 
your relationships ultimately will be done. We've been created to worship God because he is the one thing in all of creation that will never, ever leave you, forsake you, which means forget you, will never leave you behind. And students, that is why we put so much effort into Wednesday nights. This is why you have coaches here that pour into you on Wednesday nights that when, when you aren't plugged into what's going on, it honestly breaks their hearts because they long for you to grasp the concept of a God creator that is passionately in love with you. And some of you are going, this is brand new to me. And this is what I want for you tonight. Because we're going to go right back into a set of worship. And I want you to have the right mindset. And I keep looking over here because I know the moment that we transition, right in here, you guys are going to struggle. And I'm telling you, it's spiritual warfare. God is shouting your name, wanting your attention. And I want you to be locked in. Because we are created to worship in this concept of rise to follow. Who we follow ultimately is who we worship. And there's a call to follow Jesus. And when we enter into this musical uh, instrumental aspect of worship, it's preparing our hearts to hear the truth from God's word. And I'm going to be frank with you guys tonight. We're going to sing two songs. And I am going to come out here and I have a very challenging word from the Bible for you tonight. And I want you to be ready for that. And Megan is going to come out and help prepare your hearts for this moment of worship and for the rest of our service. Okay, so like when I come here for worship, I am in like a mindset of like open-heartedness and open-mindedness because sometimes the words of a song can say more than the message does to some people. And so you really just need to like give the people around you that uh, like respect to hear what the music may be saying to them. And so I'm just gonna pray for that atmosphere, I guess. So, dear God, thanks for letting us all come here tonight and worship. Thank you for giving us today and everything you've given us. I pray that students are respectful enough and just open-hearted to what you have to say to them through music. Amen. What I love about how God engages his, his prize of creation, which is us, is that he engages you where you are at. This call to follow, he doesn't look at, look at me and go, you know what, I'm going to sit and wait until Josh gets his life together because he's got a lot of junk he needs to clear up before he can follow me. That's not how God works. God works in a way that is so contradictory to every other world religion in this is that God loves you deeply and engages you in the mess of your life as it sits right now. And that's across the board in this room. Some of you in this room that have called yourselves followers of Jesus for years and you have a mess in your life that still needs to be cleaned up, God is, God is coming to you in your moment now saying, that's my child. Let's work on this. Come, follow me. 
Some of you that are in this room that are brand new to this church thing, man, maybe you've never graced the doorway of a church ever in your life and you just started this fall because you found out evidently it's what half the middle schoolers in this city do for fun on Wednesday night. So you just happen to be here and you're like, what is this guy talking about? There's no way that there's a God that wants to address the issues of hatred, lust, sin, jacked up hatred, Uh, malice, anger in my life, and I'm telling you, yes. That is exactly where God wants to meet you. He's not waiting for you to get it right. He's saying, come on, child, let's work on this together. Come, follow me. The proof of that is when God called this man Peter. If you remember when Parker preached a couple weeks ago, he talked about a man named Peter that as a grown man actually stepped out of a boat in faith to walk on water because his Uh, The man that he was following, Jesus, said, come on, you can do this. Come. He stepped out of a boat to walk on water. Peter was not always this man, this, this rock of faith. In fact, when Jesus called Peter, he was a fisherman. You can imagine a fisherman lifestyle wise. Uh, like they say that fishermen of that day, I told you once before, fit the bill. He, he likely could have been a foul-mouthed dude that maybe had a short temper, probably like wrinkly skin from being out in the sun, probably had like, you know those old man muscles that you see on that dude that you don't want to mess with, like they're all rotty and like you're like, dang, dude's ripped, but it's just from swinging a hammer or roofing houses and he's just like jacked because of that. That's probably what Peter looked like because he spent his whole life pulling nets in With his bare hands, you can imagine the calluses on his hands. He wasn't some kind of pretty boy that had his life together. And Jesus walked up, and after he worked a small miracle in the life of Peter, he said, come, follow me. The call to follow is one to leave your life behind. Because what Peter had to leave behind, students, he walked away from his job. He walked away from everything that he knew culture-wise to follow this man, Jesus. He left it all behind. And that is the call to follow. And some of you in this room, here is the deal. Some of you in this room are needing to take this first step. And you're like, why in the world would Peter leave his whole life behind to follow a man that he barely knew. But the thing is, is Jesus was offering something that Peter had never experienced. And Peter didn't even know what lie ahead for him. You see, Peter didn't know what the next three years would entail following Jesus. Peter had no clue the miracles that he would witness. Peter had no clue that, that Jesus would look him in the eye and affirm him as one of his followers and say, hey, look. We're going to build a church on me, and you're going to be a huge part of this, Peter. He went from being a fisherman to launching a movement. If you remember what I said, the proof of that movement is sitting in these chairs in this room because of Peter's obedience and the obedience of others like him. There was nothing special about him. He just said, yes. He said, yes, I will follow, not knowing what lie ahead. He didn't know the persecution that would follow him. That he would have to deal with first century persecution with a society that truly would hate him. 
but he followed. Now, some of you in this room need to take that first step. Some of you in this room have been talking to your coaches about, man, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to take that first step in, 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 in Christ's direction? And some of you, like, are pondering this decision about, about following Jesus and getting baptized and making, making Christ the Savior of your life. And you're needing to take that step in following Christ. And some of you have already taken that step. But you know what you need to do? You need to leave the family business behind. And this is what I mean by this. Everything that you have known as normal life up to this point, the meanness, the gossip, the slander, the horrible lifestyle, the way that you treat a boyfriend, a girlfriend, the way that you treat your parents, you need to step into that part of following Jesus. You need to leave the business behind. You see, Peter, Peter didn't just shout from the boat and go, all right, Jesus, I'll follow you. Cool. You go do your thing. I'll sit here and do mine. Because our world is full of followers of Jesus like that, am I right? People that claim the name of Jesus, but they don't walk anywhere near their Savior. Do you know what I mean by that? I hope you guys know that. Some of you in this room, that pinched a nerve. You're like, ah, dang, dude's been watching the way I've been living. He knows that I claim to be a follower of Jesus, but he knows that I haven't been walking close to him. Because that's what, that's what a follower of Jesus does is they follow closely to their rabbi, to their teacher, to their follower. And in Peter's case, that was Jesus. In your case, that's Jesus. And I want to share with you guys tonight a passage that Ransom shared with you from stage last week. Some of you guys, I don't know if you're going to remember it, because I'm going to tell you there was such power in the words that he shared from the book of Hebrews. Such power. He shared it passionately from stage while he was leading worship. And then we went right into the next song, and it was like his words just went right over your head, and everybody forgot them. So if you've got, no, I told you to power your devices down. So if you're smart enough to bring one of these old school ones, the analog version, you can open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read a couple verses to you guys. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That first phrase, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That this, this verse starts with a therefore statement. And it's referring back to the previous chapter where they had gone through a huge list in Hebrews chapter 11 of people of faith that had done ridiculous things. It talked about Daniel being a den of lions or a den of lions. It talked about people that because they chose to follow Jesus were sawed in half, burnt at the stake, were thrown in the Colosseum and devoured by animals. It talked about all these people that did ridiculous things because they had faith in who God was and they had faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, "Therefore, because we are surrounded by this great cloud, of witnesses. You guys, you're surrounded by coaches, peers in this room that are wanting to go, you can do it. Yes, you know, just like just like at any track like 
track event where people are running the stinking stupid 800 that is the hardest race on earth. And people are cheering those guys in those last 20 yards because they're supposed to sprint 800 yards, which is the craziest thing on earth. And people are cheering them in. You can do it. You can do it. And you can see on their face that it actually energizes them to push through to the finish. And scripture is speaking to that. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Let's, let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles all the junk. Some of you guys need to ditch the sin for the first time. Some of you guys that have been walking with Jesus need to ditch the sin again and, and clear yourselves up and get rid of the junk in your life so you can run this race that God has marked out for you to run. Let us run. It says this. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Jesus simply lays out the life that he wants us to live. A life of being love unlimited to the people around us. It's simply that. What a beautiful thing would happen in this room, in this city, in your schools. You would choose to start living and loving in that manner. Am I right? It would be so countercultural. It would be the newest, craziest thing. That would overtake your, your friend groups, your communities, your, 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 your teams, your, your, your bands, everything. It would just infiltrate the whole thing if you would choose to do this. The second thing that we're called to do. So he wants us to throw off everything that entangles the sin that holds us back, that weighs us down. Let's run the race that's, with perseverance that's been marked out for us. Verse 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes. On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's worship nothing but Jesus. Students, there is everything around you that is vying for your eyes. Envious of cars. Envy of jobs. Envy of roles in your schools. And the writer of this letter is saying, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's examine him. Let's make him the thing that we want to become most like instead of looking at her and the way that her hair is done and the way that she dresses and the way that he carries himself and the way that he scores the touchdowns and the way that he plays his trumpet, the way that they hit their notes. Instead of fixing your eyes on it, with envy, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to follow that. We're going to fix our eyes on something that doesn't waste away. That's never going to let, never going to let, never going to let you down. We're going to fix our eyes on it. Listen to this, and this is why you would fix your eyes on the cross. You students that are new. This is why. Those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is why we would fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. This is the reason. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This thing that we see up in a baptistry, the thing that people wear around their necks that are made of gold, it was an ugly, shameful, hideous, ugly death execution that he endured that you and I deserve. That is why we would fix our eyes on Jesus because he loves us in such a way that he would take that punishment for us. 
and that punishment was necessary and that's why we would fix our eyes on Jesus I want to become like him he knows how to love he is sacrificial if I become like him my life is made complete For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned at shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And listen, when you're running the race, students, and you get tired, because you will get tired. Some of you guys have been following Jesus for a lot of years. And it gets exhausting because you get worn down because of the hatred that you see because of the times that you get treated poorly, because of the way that you get made fun of, you get worn down. It says, consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of that letter knew that we're gonna get tired and we're gonna go like this, what's the point? Nobody's listening. What's the point? We come to Element. That same, that same group is so distracting. We can't ever get anything done in our small group. He is saying, do not lose heart. Consider what I did on the cross is what Jesus is saying. So that you will not grow weary of being an ocean of love unlimited to the people around you. And you will not lose heart. That you will always have it at the front of your mind, at the front of your heart, that Jesus is going to win. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how much pain you endure, no matter how frustrated you get, students, in the end, Jesus wins. None of the rest of the stuff that we see is even going to matter. It's not going to matter whether you made the A team, the B team. None of that is going to matter. These things that we worship, the call to follow is a deep call to something greater than you've ever experienced that will last much longer than anything that you are currently pursuing. Students, I want your hearts to consider that. Father God, I, I pray for this room as we continue to worship tonight. Father, you have created us. It is ingrained in us to worship. And Father, I know that that spiritual warfare is going on right now. What I mean by that, God, you know that I mean that the enemy is vying for the hearts of these students. Many of them are even distracted as we speak. They feel the need to leave this room. They feel the need to be distracting to the person next to them. They're feeling anxiety about a relationship, about something that isn't going right. God, I pray that they would cast those things aside and fix their eyes on the cross and the Savior that gave himself upon it. Because, Father, nothing in creation is going to last. Only you. So we have got to fix our eyes on that which is eternal. And that is you and your love and your mercy that we find on the cross. I pray for that for these students, for the adults in this room, that we would always remember so we do not lose heart, we do not grow weary. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org/students.